What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. We're a little bit sleepy, but we're still diving into a spooky movie um, because we just got off of a very fun week, weekend Weekend into a week, yeah. We week and a half for me, <laughs> vacation time for me. Um, but yes, as you all know, we took last Monday off for the podcast, and then we've taken two Mondays off for streaming, and that is because I was on vacation mm-hmm. and I went to LA specifically to go to Midsummer Scream with my friends. Which was an absolute blast. Um, shout out again to everybody that we saw at Midsummer Scream, who we got to hang out with, um, yeah. who spent any length of time with us while we were there. As both of our first convention, it was a really great time, a very fun yeah. experience. Um, saw some really great stuff, awesome costumes, great panels. It was it was a darn good time, and I definitely recommend Midsummer Scream to anybody who's never gone. Um, but if you're Same. fans of the genre. Definitely worth checking out, worth the money. It was an absolute blast. Yeah, big same. Uh, Highly recommend it if it's a convention that you have heard of and maybe just thought about going to. Yeah, do it. And also, too, I am planning immediately to go next year. Mm -hmm. Um, Literally after the first day, I said, yep, (laughs) I should probably start saving my money (laughs) for next year as well. Because, yeah, it was a great time. It's there's so much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back street? <laughs> well Thank done, you. well played. Thank you. Um, but no, seriously, uh, ton of fun. Uh, was a great, like a great time, especially to see everybody that we have met through podcasting and have not been able to meet in real life because there are so many people that go to Midsummer. Um, so many people that you probably have seen through Instagram um, and yeah, they were there hanging out and that was really, really cool to see. So yes, I too highly recommend going to that convention. If you've been thinking about it, definitely pull the trigger and just, just get the tickets, get the tickets. And if you can get the golden bat. Yeah. I will. It was worth it. It was worth that extra money. It's worth it. Uh, Just a little pro tip from some people who have only gone once and really <laughs> now don't know. Now experienced convention goers, <laughs> okay, now, experts. And they're now very, very versed in everything convention. <laughs> um, just a little pro tip from us. But another fun thing that we got to do whilst in L.A. Um, was we got to go to a screening of Talk To Me. Mm-hmm. And... If you homies remember us discussing, obviously, the strike is happening, and um, that is something that we are also going to be taking into account when discussing topics for future episodes. 
However, if you have also been following the news on the strike, A24, A24 came through for the girlies. Mm -hmm. A24 is doing that good doing where they are Mm -hmm. following all the terms and conditions that have been given from all the people out there on the pickets. Um, So therefore, they are on the good list in terms of coverage and talking about their films, which is very exciting because the experience of watching this film was a ton of fun. And I would have been very sad if we couldn't talk about Talk to Me. Yes, I'm so, so excited that we get to cover this movie. Um, Shout out to A24, though, because they are a smaller production company, uh, what you would consider a more independent uh, studio. And yeah, they said, okay, which is also awesome because I think just in general, both Roshane and I really enjoy A24 films. Mm -hmm. Um, We've covered a handful of them so far, but there's also a lot of them that we haven't gotten to cover yet. So that was really exciting for us to know that that is a possibility over the time that the strike is occurring. And then, yeah, talk to me. We wanted to talk about talking. <laughs> so it ended up working out really, really great. Um, it, it was also kind of fun because we had a theater experience that mm-hmm. we share. Normally with new movies, we talk about our theater experience. But we had the same one for this one, which was pretty cool. So yeah. I guess we can discuss how how that was for us. Right, which I, I don't know if there's too much to talk about um, other than it was cool to get to be in the same theater with each mm-hmm. other again. It is very rare that we get to do that. I mean, all in all, it was a lot of fun. Um, our theater wasn't super packed, but it was also a screener. Yeah. So like, you know, there was a crowd according to that, but Overall, everyone seemed to really enjoy the film. Um, I remember making a comment to you afterwards where I had kind of forgotten what it's like to be affected by uh, scary movies in the theater, um, mostly from the reactions of the people around us. Like there was a lot of a lot of audience participation, not in like a distracting way, but in just like the people were very much into the movie. Mm -hmm. A lot of screams, a lot of gasps. A lot of um, very quiet, um, yeah. <laughs> subdued eeks. And... That was my favorite. <laughs> there, was, there was a moment where something was about to happen. You just knew it was building up and building up. And you just knew that something horrible was about to happen. And then just out of the dark shadows behind us, you just heard a quiet, no. And it was like the most pure thing I've ever heard. And it made me just start laughing because it was just it was just so honest in that moment. And it was just such you could tell that that person was like, please don't do this. And I just it was great. I I, I obviously you guys know me. I don't have a lot of moments like that in theaters because I, at most it's me and four <laughs> other people in a theater so i just thought that that was really funny but yeah no it was a cool it was a cool experience agreed lots of audience participation lots of people like kind of reacting to the characters and commentating on their actions but yes in a fun way not in a distracting way in a way that you could tell that everybody was really really excited to be there and really immersed in the film not like people were just talking because they were bored or you know they didn't they didn't want to be paying attention or what have you so that was really fun also 
just a side note, um, we went to an AMC theater. For anybody who has seen the Nicole Kidman AMC commercial, mm-hmm. I've never seen so many people go feral when that commercial <laughs> plays. I think that's an LA thing because you guys have a lot of AMC theaters. We do not. Yeah, so. it is an LA thing. Um, yeah. And I'm very glad that I learned this before I went to go watch other AMC <laughs> films throughout the country. Lest I look like a fool out there. Yeah. Um, talking about heartbreak feels good in a place like this. And you know what? It does. It really <laughs> does. She's not wrong. But yeah, uh, for anybody who has not been to an AMC theater and so maybe hasn't seen the, the Nicole Kidman uh, commercial, you should look it up uh, and just see see how it how it plays out and imagine people just cheering and yeah. mouthing along to the words because it's great. Like a little uh, motto. <laughs> Ritual, a little motto for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That being said, though, I do definitely recommend people go out and see this movie in a theater. I think this is a great film to go see if you haven't seen it yet and you're listening. Um, Definitely worth the theater ticket price um, just for the experience of it. But also, since it's a newer film, we did want to keep things a little spoiler free for a second. But Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoyed this film. I will say that from the get. I think this is one of the better, if not one of the best horror films that's come out this year. And I have I've been sitting on that thought for a little bit and I still stand yeah. by it where I just think it's a really well made film. Not only that, but it's also got a bit of a fun story with the directors, too, as they are best known as YouTubers, um, yeah. which I did not know going into it, even though we've kind of been having our eye on this film for a while. I didn't realize who the Filippo brothers were until doing a little bit more research. But I also think it's a cool story that. You know, these YouTubers who have been around for a long time. Um, I actually realized I have watched quite a few of their YouTube videos mm. in the past. Um, it's really cool to see that they now have this big feature film that is getting a lot of attention and a lot of praise from a lot of well-known directors and people in the industry. Um, I think it's really cool to see. And so definitely recommend going out and supporting a film like this in the theater but yeah it's a scary movie like this is a this is a scary mm-hmm. film that does horror right and i and i'm very excited to kind of like break that down here yeah yeah so i also think it's very very cool that these directors kind of started as youtubers i've never watched any of their stuff uh really so not even I the can't... star wars versus harry potter now why would i have watched that That's you know fair. i That's... haven't seen I haven't seen Star Wars. That's, and I that's haven't fair, that's fair, that's For fair. no particular reason besides my parents were not Star Wars fans. And I feel like that's everybody's introduction is their parents. And mm. so I just swiftly moved past the Star Wars. <laughs> fair enough, um, fair enough. And I went straight into like how Stella got her groove back. And <laughs> like that. Um, but so, yeah, I agree that that to me is so, so cool. I love that. I love that. They because I did take a look at kind of this like the thumbnails of their videos and stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. These seem like they are all videos that have like plots to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so cool that it has kind of led to this. I feel like you see something like that and who the directors are. And if you're fans, maybe you're excited because you're just like, okay, cool. Like, (laughs) I want to see what they did. But if you're not, I think that there maybe can be sort of this just kind of stigma about coming from that sort of background and then like having a full fledged feature film come out. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't think that would have influenced the way that I thought. But I will say I was so impressed by the movie just from a filmmaking standpoint. Like if you I could I would I would have believed that whoever directed that and wrote that that this was not their first Mm -hmm. time doing a feature film, let alone a feature horror film, because it is just so well done. It's such a it's it's one of those stories that just gets wrapped up in the exact way that you want it to get wrapped up. And you're so invested in it the whole time, the whole way around from beginning to middle to end. I think it does a great job of kind of shifting your expectations of where the story is going while still being very true to the premise and true to what it promised you it would be. And I actually was very, very impressed by that Mm -hmm. because I honestly never really knew where this sort of a movie would go, which I think is especially hard now with possession types of films or like we're talking to dead people types of films. It's like how many of those have we had? Yeah. And even just this year alone too, like 2023 is the year of possessions. Yeah. So to be dropping on this year and still be unique is very impressive. Yeah, it definitely is because I even remember for anyone who watches our streams on Twitch, (laughs) homies before that um, (laughs) we watched this trailer And I remember kind of making comments because now, granted, it did say the scariest J24 movie since Hereditary. It was kind of blowing, blowing its head up a little bit. Bold statements. Hype, a little hypey, which, you know, I just thought was a bit much at the time. I watched the trailer and, you know, we had the promotional stills and then I felt a little underwhelmed by everything Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking that it was not unfortunately going to live up to the hype but it did honestly it did for me i was so so surprised because it did yeah and i just feel like that does not always happen Mm -hmm. and it's definitely not going to be a film that is for everybody but i will say i think that what I enjoy about that aspect, even though it's a film that I don't think I could recommend to every single person who just likes the horror genre, I still think there are going to be people, people who this just not just isn't their kind of story or it just doesn't scratch the itch for them in that way. Even still, I would still talk highly of this to people mm-hmm. because I just think that it was such a cool idea it's such a cool premise and it was executed i don't think they could have executed it any better than they did yeah you know what i mean like i think they did exactly the best that they could do with the story that they were wanting to tell Mm -hmm. and i really appreciate that i hope we get more movies like that yeah um and it's stressful as fuck (laughs) it really is it is very stressful it's a very very stressful movie and one last thought before switching over i i will say I think the trailer for this, I don't think this movie has a bad trailer. I actually think the trailer is pretty good. I think the trailer very much presents this film as like A24's version of a possession movie. Um, But it makes sure to keep you in the dark about a lot of the twists and turns that the movie's going to take, which is good. Like, I don't want the trailer to reveal everything, but I feel like I'm being underwhelmed that you're talking about when we watch it on stream. 
I, I felt that as well. And like, it was just very, I guess it was very surprising to see how much I enjoyed the film after watching the trailer and being like, I don't know if this is the scariest A24 film I've ever seen. But I, I say that for anybody who maybe was like us and watched the trailer and was like, I don't know, this seems kind of like run of the mill or whatnot. I, I wouldn't let the trailer decide whether or not you should see this film. I think you really should see yeah. it for yourself and see what the film is really presenting because there's a lot more to it than what you see in that trailer. That's very fair. And I also think too, at this point in time, A24 is kind of a lay in its own parking spot, I guess. <laughs> it has mm -hmm. its designated parking spot where everybody sees A24. And I kind of get it because I do think that everybody compares A24 horror to A24 horror. Mm -hmm. It's different in that we don't really compare it to other other studios in that same way that we kind of it's like it's me versus me i feel yeah. like for a24 um and that's different i think than in a, a different experience than maybe other films might have so i understand why they can they compare themselves to themselves mm -hmm. because it's like they have been very successful in their horror films they're continuing to be successful in their horror films and i do think a lot of audience members compare their films to each other hereditary to midsommar even though they're different mm -hmm. and then like talk to me to hereditary now i think that that's just inherent but i do i do hope that's something that they can step out of because although they all do have a similar quality a similar feeling they're not all the same mm -mm. And so I'm like, I hope that we can push out of comparing them all to each other, because I do think that that can kind of cause people to say, well, it wasn't as scary as Hereditary. Yeah. Or like It wasn't as good as Hereditary instead of taking it as its own thing. Mm -hmm. And I would hate I hate to see that happen because I don't think every movie needs to be compared just because they were all distributed by or produced by A24. Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that heavy. <laughs> But that said, actually about being the scariest film since blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, let's talk about the scary scale. Mm -hmm. Scariest would be a five. Not so scary at all would be a one. How do you feel, Leia, uh, Talk To Me ranks on that scale? Um, I think I would give Talk To Me a solid 4.5 out of five. Oh, okay. I, mm -hmm. think the, I think the movie is solidly scary in the places that it needs to be. It's not scary the entire time through, which I actually think is nice, where it, like, really decides the points where it wants to scare you. Um, but I think based on my experience of watching it, the experience of hearing everyone around us freaking out during some of the moments, and the stress level that you talked about that this movie brings, um, mm -hmm. there's a level of tension to a lot of these scenes and moments that I think is, like, right there tiptoeing that line of scary versus just stressed out. Um, and my little brain can't really discern the two. So it's combining them into one, which ups my ranking. Um, but I really do think that this is a solidly scary film, especially for like people who don't watch scary movies every single week. Like if you just like to watch them every once in a while, I do think that this film is going to hit you in a couple places. So I'm gonna give it a 4.5 out of 5. You know what? I'm gonna rock with you there. I will say I do wonder if, seeing this in a theater is inflating my mm. rating because my initial my initial gut 
feeling was to go with a four. Okay. However, seeing or here, like thinking about it and thinking about the feeling in the theater, I would say it was a 4.5 just because I feel like I was so encompassed in the entire experience. I do think if I had maybe just watched it at home, it would be closer to a four. Mm -hmm. But I do think there are some there are some scares that play out really well on the big screen. And also sound design wise, it was intense in a theater. Yeah, There are a lot of sequences that it's one of those things where I feel like there are sequences that you you know something's coming. You can kind of clock something's coming. But even still, that does not at all kind of detract from the scare that does end up coming mm-hmm. it's still very well done and so that still always paid off for me but yeah you're right it's not scary all the time everywhere all at once um <laughs> but it is there are it's stressful and i think that a lot of the ideas behind it are almost scarier than the, some of the sequences we have because i think there's just a more of a overall sense of dread that this movie filled me with the entire way through. And I think that that is also leaning into how I felt about those scare sequences as I already had this like dread stress that just got super duper maximized during the scare sequences. Agreed. Now with all that out of the way, it is that time, homies. We are entering into spoiler territory, so... You have been warned. But today we're talking about Talk to Me from 2023. This movie was directed by Danny and Michael Filippo, written by Danny Filippo with help from Bill Heinzman and Daley Pearson, starring Alexandra Jensen as Jade, Joe Bird as Riley, Miranda Otto as Sue, Zoe Tarakis as Haley, Otis Donji as Daniel, Chris Olosio as Joss, and Sophie Wilde as Mia. Meet Mia, an Australian teen struggling with the loss of her mother a few years prior. The death has put a strain on her relationship with her father, Max, and she instead finds comfort with her friend Jade's family, consisting of her mother and younger brother, Riley. The teens attend a party to blow off some steam and are introduced to a disturbing new party game. The hosts have an embalmed hand that serves as a gateway to the other side. And all it takes is one simple phrase. Talk to me. Insert haunted house parties, handshakes from hell, and suspicious spirit advice here. Our film concludes with Riley becoming cursed by the ghostly hand. Will the teens be able to save him? Or has their party game come at the cost of his soul? Also, I let you in. Roll credits. Okay, so talk to me. Talk about it. Talk to me about it. Talk to me about it. Talk to us. Talk to the homies about it. Obviously, we did not take any notes. Mm -hmm. Um, We also, by the time of recording this, it's been like a week. And some change since we've seen it. Saw it. Um, So minute, minute details may be 
a little bit different than we remember. But I actually have been thinking of this movie a lot. So mm-hmm. I feel like I remember a lot of it <laughs> still, which is nice. Yeah. But I mean, we could just start kind of from the beginning because yeah. I think the first scene in this movie is pretty awesome. Um, first off, this film does take place in Australia, which I actually think is very smart because it adds this layer over the entire film that is somewhat different than what I think a lot of um, at least American viewers are used to seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. It allows the movie to kind of differentiate itself from the other possession films just because we have this different, we have these different cultural experiences that I think are coming into play. Mm -hmm. Um, But this first sequence, we do have a party scene that um, kind of sets up the whole vibe and feel of this whole thing yeah we have this character of cole who is currently at a house party looking for his his brother duckett who is uh supposed having a weird reaction to something or is freaking out about something and then when he finds him chaos very quickly ensues and i'm curious to know erica how you felt about this first sequence i i think i know already but for the people how did you feel about the opening? I liked it. It's a cool opening. Um, there's a cool shot of us just following Cole through the party. And I feel like it hops you in with very minimal information, continues with very minimal information. Mm-hmm. But I do like that we join a character that we will see again because Cole does end up coming back. In being, I don't know, semi helpful <laughs> later <laughs> on. But, you know, I feel like normally we would maybe start with Duckett and then Duckett would kill himself and then we would move on, right? But yeah. I like that we start following Cole and we kind of watch him search for his brother through this house party, which I also think introduces this idea that house parties and that being the environment that a lot of this stuff is happening in it kind of solidifies that as the setting yeah which is wild i have also thoughts about that but yeah and then i feel like when duckett pops off it is surprising in the way that it happens because obviously you are expecting something to happen he's being very strange and he's obviously going through something crazy but i think just the quickness with which it happens and the brutality with which it happens is the thing that is surprising and then from there it's that's it like that in of itself almost could have been i mean which most horror openings are or the good ones at least are for me that there are small little sections that almost could be short films if mm-hmm. if you really wanted to. And this one also falls into that. Like, it's just a small little story. Now, like I said, Cold does come back later, which honestly, I was not expecting. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I, didn't know th- I didn't know the man was alive. I smooth thought he was dead. I did too. I really did. So when he popped back up on that bus, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But... I think, though, that also introduces this idea that we get in later on with Mia is that these trances or these hallucinations that they get pulled into, they're not so all-encompassing that they're going straight for the kill. There is still some reality weaved into them. And so you think that... I mean, you don't know why right now Duckett is 
acting the way that he's acting. But I do think that it makes sense that it's not like he's trying to necessarily kill Cole and cold blood. Like you will see later with the way that these hallucinations play out and kind of weave in and out that it's not just these murder rages that they're going through. It's like much more kind of plotted by the spirits. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot more happening behind the scenes that the movie does a good job of explaining at the longer that you're in it. Mm -hmm. But also I really like that this scene uh, for me very much modernizes the film in terms of like the reactions of all the people um, cause we are unfortunately at an age where it's like, especially with younger people, um, depending on the situation and like what's happening, sometimes seeing some grisly or unhinged shit makes for great content. And it like, for a lot of people, um, the first, uh, thought or idea is to like pull out your phones and record things that are happening, even for people who are in distress, which, mm-hmm. um, is a lot of this film is like. You know, we've got, we've established that there's this hand that allows you to talk to the dead. And a lot of people's first reactions is to turn that into basically a party game or like a, you know, TikTok challenge or what, what, what have you. But it's like, man, it looks so fun. Let me record this. Like, yeah, this person's freaking out. They're like foaming at the mouth. They're, their face is all crazy. But yo, let me get a, let me get a video of this. Let me send this to my friend, you know, like. That being the initial reaction, I think, is very in line with the times right now. Um, So it allows this film to have a very modern feel to it. And we're also dealing with, you know, teenagers, which the modern teenager today looks a lot different than the modern teenager from a lot of the horror classics that we're used to. So watching the genre adopt some of these new mentalities and ideas is very intriguing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think last year buys 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 did a great job of incorporating that energy and i do think that talk to me continues that trend of like very much capturing this period of time and how young people act during this time Mm -hmm. and what effect that has on the plot overall i think that this opening scene does a good job of you know sprinkling that in we will see more of it as we get into some of the uh house parties with our with our main group but um, I think the movie does a good job of starting off with that. So you just know what kind of energy you're going into this one with. Right. And it was one of those things where we, while watching this movie, I just kept thinking, that's just, now why would you do that? It, it, with the hand thing and thinking, why would you do this? Why would anybody ever want to play this game at a party? But then I had to sit and think, are, aren't we the same fools <laughs> who are talking to, trying to, um, get bloody mary to come through the right ouija boards ouija boards like light as a feather stiff as a board just all this spirit nonsense that we were fooling around with that yeah okay nothing happened but we didn't know that Mm -hmm. we were we were under the assumption that something might happen we wanted something to happen we were still trying to invite crazy people into the house crazy spirits <laughs> into the house and not only were they crazy like we were in, we were chanting the names of of ghosts that we knew would murder us if they pulled up <laughs> it wasn't even like oh they're just gonna pop up and say hello it was always oh chant 
chant railroad Charlie <laughs> in the mirror seven times and he'll appear in the mirror and pull you through the mirror and then torture you on his railroad for three years. It was always the craziest shit. Mm -hmm. So I can't even, obviously this situation is a little bit different because it actually works. <laughs> However, I can't necessarily fault them for wanting to try it just to see if it works. Mm -hmm. And then when it does work, it feels really, really good. Yeah, like, that's, I, that, that is one thing they make clear is it feels amazing. Yeah, that's the other side to it that I think was a very smart addition to it. Um, where it's this idea that like it looks terrifying when the people are going through it, but then after they've left that trance-like state, every single person's like, "Fuck, oh, what a rush!" You know, like mm -hmm. that was so that was so much fun. It they make it seem enticing even though like when you're watching them do it you're like yo i would never do that but then their reaction afterwards you're like shit i might think about it like you seem real excited after that little venture to the other side what what's going on with this hand like what's up mm -hmm. yeah and so i do think that that was the best thing they could have done because yes once it starts and it looks horrifying there had to be something more to it for us to believe that our characters would ever want to play this game again. And so, yeah, I do think it was very clever to say, okay, this look from the outside in, this looks terrifying, but when you are the one doing it, it feels like nothing you've ever felt before. And also, too, it seems like most of the people don't necessarily who get possessed they don't necessarily remember exactly what happened they don't remember exactly you know what was said or what have you it's mainly just the people that are watching that hear everything see everything know everything and so it feels like the people that's happening to they just feel a specific way and that's the thing that is exciting and enticing mm -hmm. and makes them want to keep coming back and the fact that it's different every time and you never know what you're going to get. I feel like also is very exciting to them. But yeah, I was like, okay, okay, I get it. It's it's like a drug, you know, they're they're mm -hmm. getting addicted. Okay, I can I can rock with that cuz I ain't going to hold you. After the first one with Mia. <laughs> bro, the way the way I would have just smashed that hand to pieces. <laughs> if especially if I was Riley, are you kidding me? Right. Are I, you kidding me? <laughs> I have not. I'd be scarred for life if I was Riley. The fact yeah. that right, like I, I, I somewhat understand why Riley wants to do it later on, just because it's yeah. like the peer pressure and the excitement of being in the moment. You want to be a part of something. But like, if my first experience with that thing is the ghost directly coming from my neck, nah, I ain't ever coming to your house parties again. I'm good. Mm -mm. <laughs> and telling me to run oh, bye i would have been <laughs> i would have been gone there would have been tread marks on the carpet from where i had just scooted out so quick it wouldn't mm -hmm. have even been a question and i also think though too for riley what is done very well because we can get into the relationships a little bit now um him and mia have a very good relationship yeah and i also think that that's something that entices riley is that mia loves it so much and mm -hmm. she loves doing it and you can and she 
and she wants him to do it. She or she doesn't want him to do it, but she's not going to stop him from doing it because it's for her. It's a good experience. Yeah. And so I also feel like that's another thing of when you like look up to someone so much and they're doing something, you want to do that thing because it looks cool and you want to be like them. You want to do the things that they do. And so I also feel like that's another element of it because I do think that Riley really, really looks up to Mia and is thinks like very highly of her. And I feel like consistently seeing her do it. And also she's, and she talks to him and she tells him what it felt like and that it felt great and that she really enjoyed it and all of these things. And she kind of talks to talks him through how great of an experience it was. So yeah, I'm not surprised that he sees her doing it over and over and over again and just wants to try it. Yeah, at least once just to see how it feels. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the movie does a great job of setting up that relationship. I think uh, Mia's relationship with Riley and Jade and their entire family is very well done. Um, we get introduced very early on with Mia that she is a character that is suffering a bit, like her mother took her own life a few a few years back. And that is clearly something that she is still, she's getting over it, but she's very clearly not fully over it yet. It's still something that is um, distressing for her. And so Riley and Jade have served as like the secondary family for her mm-hmm. since, you know, her and her dad had this very weird relationship when we first meet them. And I love the way that they show don't tell that part of like the first time we get an interaction with me and her dad how he's completely out of focus while she's like doing the dishes and it just really like puts you into her mind state of like this, this guy who was her father is just like not even present in her mind at the moment. Yeah. He was so out of focus. I thought he was white. (laughs) So when it was a black guy later, when it was a black guy later, I I was like, who is this man? (laughs) Who are you? It was her dad. (laughs) Um, But it's established very uh, early on that, uh, Mia feels very close to this family and to both Jade and uh, Riley. And they, what I love is this movie is great with its pacing where like we managed to establish all of that and those relationships very quickly. And I don't think that we ever spend too much time on it, but I like the way that like we get a strong introduction to it. And then the longer that we're in the film, we get like more and more information that, kind of just solidifies why she's so close to them um yeah but it's a it's a great connection um it really i think aids the tension later on when things are going wrong because it's like not only do we like these characters and it sucks to see stuff happening to them especially riley but also it sucks to see the deterioration of this relationship between mia and this family because um, from at the start, it seems like she's really close. Like she is basically a part of their family. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, it's like they almost want nothing to do with her. Right. Yeah. It, what's so interesting about their relationship? Which, yes. So we when we pop in on Mia, it is the two year anniversary of her mother's death. And I think what's really preventing her from moving on, but also really affecting the relationship with her father is there are some very suspicious circumstances around her death that Mia has always been kind of questioning and has never really gotten a, an answer that she likes mm-hmm. to to it. 
And so I think that that's something that's just always in the back of her mind. We also see that her and her mom had a great relationship. Um, they seemingly were best, very, the very type close. of relationship where it's like, oh, she's my best friend and yeah. she's my mom. It seemed like that sort of a thing. And also, I think Mia is the type of character where she kind of seems, at least by how other people treat her, she is a very specific type of person who potentially doesn't get along very well with a lot of people. But it seemed like she, her mom was one of those people who just got her because yeah. they had the same personality because she was raised by her. So it's like this one person in the world who understands you better than anybody else and they're not there anymore. And so, yeah, she's jumped very heavily into spending all of her time with Jade and her family so much show that Riley, like I said, kind of views her as another sister. Um, and she will just go over to their house and it's almost just kind of expected that she'll be there. She'll pick Riley up and bring him home. Mm -hmm. She's just kind of this other part of their family, despite the fact that she's not part of their family. And what's interesting about their relationship to me is that, we don't really know how long Jade and Mia have been friends when this friendship started. True. It's never clearly defined as, oh, we've been friends since kindergarten. Or we know how long she's known Daniel. And I guess you could assume that maybe they've all known each other that long since they were kids. Mm -hmm. But it's also interesting because you don't know if they've always been close friends. Maybe the death of Mia's mom is what kind of pushed them to be closer because Jade doesn't realize that it's the anniversary of her of Mia's mom's death. She doesn't yeah. know that when we first see it, which is not that crazy. I mean, it's not crazy that she didn't memorize that. But at the same time, if they are best friends and they've been best friends even prior to the death, then you'd think maybe that would be something that she would make note of because it's a hard day for Mia. Or even, like, Riley not knowing how Mia's mom died. And just these little things where I, I kept thinking, okay, maybe they got closer after her mother's death mm -hmm. and rather than before. And so maybe, because I you do see later that there is some a little bit of pushback from Jade. Now, granted, they are in an argument, but sometimes the truth comes out in argument and arguments. And Jade says basically like, I wish you didn't push yourself into my family. Mm -hmm. And so there could be a sense that by losing her mom, Mia kind of inserted herself, inserted herself into Jade's life. And that by result made them, closer friends but i don't know i i they also don't have the same sort of best friendship that i think you would expect to see from people who are lifelong friends and have and feel great like so comfortable with each other and always want each other around it's like they do in some regards but then they don't in other regards yeah and, and i oh go ahead i was gonna say they also have that unspoken drama though with daniel with daniel which i mean mia tries to play off a lot of the times and like makes jokes about it because like there was a brief moment in time where they were interested in each other it didn't really last yeah then daniel ended up with jade um and although it seems like 
at this point in the group's relationship, it's something that Mia is totally over and she like jokes about and like they all have fun with it. It's very clear. Um, I mean, other circumstances aside, that Mia still has feelings for Daniel. And like, yeah. the longer we spend in these heightened states, the more that gets tugged on and the more mm -hmm. we see that has been like an underlying um, issue going on, at least between Mia and her current group of friends. Right. And it's one of, and we also never get complete confirmation about Daniel's feelings towards Mia. I think it's clear that Daniel maybe is not as into Jade as Jade is into him. Mm -hmm. But we never really know exactly how he feels about Mia. And that is not something that is ever stated to us by the end of this film. Which I also think one of my favorite things too about the way this movie ends is that these relationships are so fractured and there's no we don't know at all what happens with right. what the future looks like with for our characters who are still going to be continuing their lives and trying to move on from this situation. That is that looks crazy. Like yeah. I, I mean that future for them looks crazy. But we never get confirmation about if any of these relationships that do still exist, if they ever kind of fixed themselves or got better. And Daniel is a huge part of that. Yeah, because I think his relationship with Jade gets severely <laughs> hurt through throughout this film by a lot of the things that happen. And one thing that I really like, and this is something we discussed a little bit post the film, is I enjoy having characters that it's hard to root for. And mm -hmm. I think we have a lot of those in this film. We have a lot of characters who are not just straight, morally good or morally bad, very gray. They are more realistic to me that way, especially because you think about it, these kids are 17. Yeah. And going through very specific times in their lives, I don't think it's wild for Mia to be a selfish person. I don't mm -hmm. think it's wild for her to not realize that her actions have consequences. Um, and uh, same thing with Jade. Jade is in a relationship with a guy that she really likes, potentially for the first time. And that is kind of all that she sees. And there's a lot of other things going on that I feel like she just doesn't pay attention to, doesn't acknowledge, doesn't care about because all she cares about is Daniel. And so as a result, her relationship with Mia is kind of pushed to the wayside. Her relationship with Riley is super pushed, pushed away. Mm -hmm. And so and you just have a lot of characters in this that they are our protagonists, but you don't like what they do and you don't like what they say and you don't like how they treat each other. But at the same time, you don't want anything bad to happen to them. I feel like that's such a hard line to, yeah. to balance because it's hard to have people who make unlikable decisions but still be likable. Mm -hmm. um, I think they successfully do it for me in this film for the most part because I feel like I view them more as humans in this movie with human mistakes than these than perfect and i think that that's why a lot of the stuff that happens feels so hard to stomach is because they feel so human and you know they're making the dumbest fucking decision that they yeah. could have made and it's frustrating but at the same time you get it. i think i think that's more realistic because 
they are 17 yeah. and they're going through some crazy shit in their life. To me, the only character who is completely likable and who is completely innocent in this situation is Riley. Mm-hmm. True. Poor, poor Riley. Another piece of a character <laughs> that just gets their ass beat throughout the course yeah. of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, let's talk about the hand a little bit in the progression hey. of this hand. Um, we get very brief information about like where this hand came from. We know that um, Duckett and Cole had possession of this hand before before Haley and Joss get the hand. And we also know that it has a there's a little bit of a discrepancy on where exactly it came from and like what it's supposed to be. The biggest idea that you have to take away from it is that it allows you to speak with the dead. Um, through the course of the talk to me and then the I let you in, which allows for a full possession. And there are some ground rules to it, which is you cannot be in this possessed state for longer than 90 seconds. Otherwise, the spirits will stay with you. And if the spirits manage to kill you while they are with you, they claim your soul forever. These are like the big mm-hmm. no-nos, the big points that you have to remember when doing whatever this activity is. And you have to blow out the candle. And you have to blow out the candle to sever the connection Mm -hmm. to these spirits. Um, And so now I will say the way that this is, this whole phenomenon is shot and the way that it is um, performed in the movie, I think is great. Um, I love like the first possession when we see it with Mia, I think is so well done just from an atmospheric standpoint um just because like from the camera moves to the sound design to just the phenomenal performance given by sophie there Mm -hmm. um it really immerses you into what feels like a terrifying 90 seconds where it's like this person is gone like their eyes dilate like their face changes their Mm -hmm. voice changes um we get glimpses of the spirits that they see all this is like so terrifying but then once the 90 seconds is up and they come back, you get the roar of the crowd from everybody being like, yeah. yo, that was so hype, which is such a crazy juxtaposition to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like there are these such highs and lows and all of these possession scenes. This part, honestly, to me, was had one of the biggest jump scares because it's the very first time that we see what the possession is like. Mm-hmm. And so after... Mia holds the hand and she's scanning the room and then all of a sudden there's just this dead body <laughs> sitting in front of her. First of all, the makeup effects is great. Phenomenal, yeah. Um, on all of the the dead people. But yeah, all of a sudden they're just there in front of her. And that part did spook me. <laughs> I, this is the first time we're ever seeing from this perspective of someone, of the person holding the hand, this is the first time we're ever getting to see what they see. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't realize that it would legitimately be the person just sitting there being like, hey, yo, what's up? Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that way. So it just, it surprised me. But yeah, it's, this first one I think is just so intense. And I feel like it's a great introduction to what, things are going to be like because things get out of hand so quickly yeah um and i think that that's just the nature of this this is that's the whole point is that there is no way to control this you have your rules okay great whatever but you're not completely in control because we even see with this one that they do go over 90 seconds because 
the hand will not let go of Mia. And I feel like post that it's that they all have this almost nervous excitement of like, oh, shit. okay, that worked. That was great. That was the best one. Like it like gradually gets as they realize she's okay Mm -hmm. and that they kind of like got away scot-free because I've what we know with Duckett is that things do not always go well. Things do not always go according to plan. And despite them thinking they have everything down to a science and the way it's supposed to be, that's just not the case because they're playing with real shit that is much more powerful than any of them can be. And also too about the whole Cole Duckett thing. I still am like trying to figure that out because Cole makes a comment to Joss and Haley that they introduced the hand to Duckett. But Joss, I think Joss was lying to when he said where he got the hand. Cause I think it's like, uh, Jade asks him where he got it mm-hmm. and he says like oh my friend of a friend gave it to me or something I think he's lying mm-hmm. I think he got it through different means and is just trying to like not implicate himself and all that stuff that happened with Duckett mm-hmm. because Cole very pointedly blames them for what happened gotcha. and I think it's a very similar situation where they maybe maybe they didn't necessarily introduce it to him but they definitely facilitated him on yeah Yeah. and i imagine it was very similar circumstances of pulling it out at parties and shit Mm -hmm. and because we see how easy mia becomes obsessed with it it's not hard at all like after this first um experience with it they immediately want to do it again and set up an entire party around just using the hand like that is the main focal point of the second party is just to do the hand more and which is a wild wild concept but one that i do understand given the circumstances that we're given Mm -hmm. but in that first possession we do get this inkling that for whatever reason the spirits have set their eyes on riley um as a target which will come into play later on and then we again, like you said, we do have the idea that Mia did go over time, which I do wonder. I want to watch it again to like fully immerse myself in that idea. But I wonder if like that really is the thing that set all this up in motion where it's like the it is a hard 90 second rule. And the fact yeah. that she went over at all is what stirs a lot of this into um, into motion. Um, but the second. So. Yeah, the the second possession sequence, though, that's when shit gets really, really real Um, in both fronts. Because, like, one, I actually love the sequencing of watching everybody just continuously over and over again just do the hand. Um, Because the way that it's set up, it really, they make it look fun. It still looks terrifying. Like, every time they do it, it looks terrifying. But it, it has this party vibe to it the second time through. It's just everybody's just getting this insane high from doing it. And they're like, I want more. I want to do it again. Let me get another go at it to mm-hmm. the point where now even Riley is like, yo, let me get a little bit of that. Yeah. Let me, let me try some of that. And let me like get some of them knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> let me feel the nails for a second. <laughs> um, but it feels very justified based on the amount of fun that it feels like these characters are having yeah. doing it. Like I understand why Riley 
wants to give it a shot. And then, you know, this leads into a lot of the beginnings of the tensions between Mia and Jade, because Jade is very mm. adamantly like, no, 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 Riley, you are not doing this. Yeah. And well, because Jade herself is the only person who says, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. Respectfully so. Yeah. She is the only person who does not herself want to do it. And therefore also does not want her brother to do it. She's the person who's like, I don't fuck with this shit. Yeah. And I don't think that you should either. Which very fair. fair. <laughs> very fair, Jade. Um, but yeah, so about the whole Mia thing, honestly, I think this from this moment on, when they went over 90 seconds, I think Mia, they had her. I yeah. think they were in her head. I just think that they were slowly building up the mm. hallucinations and stuff. But I think from the minute time went over she was she was gone it was a, she was a goner i honestly <laughs> do because i i think that that's part of the reason that the hand wouldn't let her go is because they wanted to keep her because i do think in some regards they wanted riley but i also think they really wanted mia mm -hmm. and so i think it was just both kind of went hand in hand i think oh you are just to, you're just I, dropping these the whole look, episode <laughs> look, they did it to us they did it to us I mean, come on. What am I what am I supposed to say? So many sayings have hands. In it, you know? <laughs> um, and I think that they also just were trying to go after somebody that she really cared about because that kind of comes out, comes through later mm -hmm. in the in the story. But yeah, we get this whole party sequence where they do this montage that normally in a party movie would be the characters taking drugs or drinking a bunch of alcohol, but instead in this is them just getting possessed mm -hmm. <laughs> and we get to see everybody get possessed and have these different reactions i will say there is one part in this scene that i think is probably my least favorite part in the movie only because it's the only part of this movie that i feel like does not make sense to me okay. and i feel like they put it in just to be gross and not actually to aid to the story which can work I have a lot of movies that I like where there's just gross shit in them just to be gross. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like in a movie like this where everything else just rings so true, it just kind of threw me off. So it's the part with Daniel's possession, his first possession, mm -hmm. where he gets all sexual and he makes out with the dog, whatever. Yeah. And this is the part where he really hurts Jade's feelings because he basically, the ghost gets inside of him and basically implies that Jade grosses him out and he can't get it up because that's their whole thing is they haven't really been sexual with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and Jade feels some type of way about it. However, Daniel also seemingly is just um, like a bit more religious. It seems like he just takes things very slow. So it's like they're just both viewing this relationship a little bit differently. Um, and, but when this ghost gets inside of Daniel, he basically says, uh, nah, it's cause you, you're, he, I don't like you. Like you're just, you make me sick. Like yeah. that's what the ghost says to Jade basically. And it hurts her feelings. Um, but then the ghost starts to get like real sexual in, inside of him. And then they, like the chair falls over, the dog runs over and they like start licking at each other's mouths and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it goes on so for so fucking long <laughs> and it's so gross. But I think the only reason that it irritated me because I don't understand why it goes on for so long. Like why Jade doesn't rush in and pull them. Like it feels like she's just standing there and then they were like, okay, now you can go in. And then she pulls the dog off. And I'm just, it just, and then all of a sudden she's like, Daniel, but, cause he's upset. Cause everybody's like filming him. Right. And 
it just feels like it takes her so long and like everybody's like cracking up and I don't know it just it just feels like one of those things where I feel like she would have been quicker to action Mm -hmm. and then Daniel's like super upset about it he has dog hair all over his face which I also also don't think would happen I'm like where the fuck did all this hair come from like (laughs) you weren't licking the dog's body you were just like licking its mouth but okay um Daniel runs out but then comes back in and just goes right back into the possession. Wants to do it again. And there's no kind of, you know, whatever, what have you. And like, I get it. Maybe he calmed down and he was like, okay, I want to try again. Mm -hmm. But that's the only part of this movie that just, I felt like the, the dog makeout was more important than the sequence. And I just didn't, I don't mind if he's going to do some gross shit. Okay, cool, whatever, have him make out with the dog. But I just felt like for the character of Daniel and the circumstances that were happening, Mm -hmm. that part just felt like we, like, just totally out of left field for me. And I just think it was the reaction and then how he handles it afterwards that I just just felt odd to me. Okay, no, I, I hear you there. I wasn't so much bugged out by the dog makeout sequence, but I I kind of agree with you with the notion that from what we understand about Daniel, the fact that he would want to do it again post mm-hmm. that is a little surprising. And I did I did clock that while we were watching that I thought that he'd be a one and done where he was like, all right, I did it. But like this very reserved character would be like, I'm good. I don't want to do it again. Um, but he just comes back to party regardless. And that was a little bit strange. Um, but I guess part of me chalks that up to we are very much still learning about Daniel as the movie goes on. Like I, he gets very much introduced as a certain character. And then we kind of peel the layers back on that the longer that we spend with him. Um, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But I, I do hear you out there in terms of that being like weird character sequencing, I yeah. think. Um but within the same sequence, we also get um, probably the one of the most brutal parts of the film, mm-hmm. along with one of the more heart-wrenching parts of the film, um, when Riley finally decides to go up there. And what's funny is, like, when Riley decides to do it, right, we all know that this is going to go bad. Like, we mm-hmm. just, like, you, you can feel it in the theater. I felt it as we were sitting there just watching it. But you just know, it's like, there is no way that this does yeah. not go wrong. Like yeah, there's it, no it, way this goes well. Yeah, this this is going to go bad. And at first, things are kind of okay. Like, they even set up where they're like, all right, we're only going to have him do it for 30 seconds. Like, we're not going to have him do the full time. We're going to be very safe about this. Because despite the fact that Haley and Joss are both, like, the party animal characters, even they are still just like, hey, you know, like, he's a kid. We're not trying to hurt this kid. Like, right. we want him to have a good time. I think it was, like, 50 seconds. 50 seconds? Is what they were going to do. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, like, even they are just like, all right, you know, we'll still stay within the parameters here. Mm-hmm. And at first, like, it's it's hard to watch Riley do it because Riley's adorable and, like, you're just afraid the entire time. But at mm-hmm. first, things are going as they have with everyone else. But... It gets different when we find out that the spirit that has supposedly possessed Riley is is Ray. I think that's how you say her name. Raya. Raya. Something like that, I think. Yeah. Which is Mia's mom, which changes everything immediately because mm-hmm. we already know that Mia 
is still very shooken up about the loss of her mother. And the moment that it's revealed that it's her speaking through Riley, Mia throws all caution to the wind. Like, and again, one of those moments where it's like, it's hard to really back this character because they're doing some selfish shit. But you understand like where the selfishness is coming from because she's just like, holy shit, I'm talking to my mom right now. Completely forgets about the rules. Completely forgets that Riley's soul is on the line here. Um, And is the one who, although is supposed to be keeping Riley safe, is really the one that pushes this to go over the edge, which goes very, very wrong very Mm -hmm. quickly. Oh, yeah. She gets immediately, she says, because I think it's Haley who says, hey, that was that was time. And then Mia says, no, 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 like a little bit longer and then keeps talking. And it was just it's one of those moments in the theater where everybody just went, oh, no, because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, immediately as soon as she backpedals on this very specific rule that they put in to keep Riley safe, as soon as she backpedals, something bad has to happen. And it does. And I think the thing about Riley, too, that you feel for him is not only is he just a good guy, a good character, he's a good kid and he also was the one person that was really scared of this and mm-hmm. really felt frightened by the idea of this. But all, obviously, slowly over time has come a little bit more, become a little bit more excited about the idea. But you also know that Riley is, which also everyone just totally forgets that Mia, that first possession literally told Riley they're coming for your ass. And mm-hmm. no, everybody forgets that, that happened. And but we didn't. We didn't. We remember that, <laughs> that happened. So having him be at the disposal of the spirits is really, really nerve wracking. And yeah, he stays. I don't even think he had gotten to 90 seconds yet when things start to go wrong, because I think that once things start to go wrong, they move past 90 seconds. But I think that they were just approaching it. And then all of a sudden, it's like he gets repossessed by Mm -hmm. something different something else and when that does happen you know mia she does care she does switch and realize oh my god uh yeah we should we should get the hand off of him but by that point it's too late riley is smashing his head and rip his eye out yeah tries to pull his eye out it's brutal it's a brutal really brutal and it takes and it's it's a long sequence and i think the thing about it is you're seeing it all happen in such detail. Once again, makeup effects, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're seeing it all happen in, in so much detail. And like I said, you don't really know what's happening to Riley inside of there. So it's like, is he feeling all of this pain? Is he aware that this is happening and can't stop it? Like that idea of it is also something we're not totally clear on. So, yeah, I mean, he's busting his face in. He's flying across the room. Jade eventually comes in and because she didn't even know that any of this is happening. And this also causes a rift between her and Mia. Understandably. Further, further is what was already there is Jade explicitly said she didn't want him to do it mia gave him the go-ahead and that was kind of all he needed um i do love that part when he goes to slam his face down and jade slips her hand 
underneath mm-hmm. to like catch it and it like breaks her hand mm-hmm. i thought i was like the whole like sequencing of the events and the sequencing of the harm that riley is doing is fascinating to watch like if you pull yourself out of it just watching the way that they choreographed this mm-hmm. is very cool i like the way that everything falls out because it feels they did just enough where he fucks himself up, but not too much where you're like, ain't no way he's recovering from that. You know, like it's yeah. just enough stuff where you're like that. That's really, really bad, but he can still recover. And I think that's the whole idea for the rest of the film is Riley's not down and out for the count. It's not like he killed himself or he he hurt himself so badly that he's never going to be able to recover from that. He hurt himself enough that he is incapacitated, but there is this I, there's this hope for Riley throughout the film that I think leads to a lot of these later events of Riley still needs help and he still needs to get pulled out of this because mm-hmm. he can be pulled out of this. He can still have a future. And so I feel like that's the thing that is really pushing forward some of these later events is a lot of it ends up becoming about Riley but still about Mia at the same time where we spend like a majority of the second half of this film now kind of trying to figure out where do we go from here how do we help Riley how do we save him um while on the flip side now that all these rifts have been caused by this event um Mia is at her utmost struggle she is at the peak of disturbed now she basically has no one right where like Mm -hmm. this fan this found family was kind of her last bastion and now that this has happened both jade and the mom really do blame mia for this understandably so and so now mia's kind of at a place where she's lost doesn't know what to do and unfortunately for both her and the group kind of confides in the hand as her last (laughs) little bastion of hope because this hand has now proven that it can be a connection back Mm -hmm. to her mom, which, like we talked about before, is one of the people that she was closest to, one of her best friends. And now that she knows that this hand can allow her to speak with what she thinks is her mom, um, which, you know, at some point we can maybe talk about that, whether or not it is or is not actually her mom. But she kind of goes over the deep end and starts abusing this hand as someone would like abuse a drug where Mm -hmm. it's like, all right, this is the only comfort I can find now. So let me use this to um, let me use this to try and find some solution to how I can help Riley or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't go well. Can tell you that right now. Yeah, I think for me personally, I actually do think that it is her mom. Sometimes Mm. I do think that the spirit that spoke through Riley, I'm leaning more towards that was her mom to Mm -hmm. begin with. And then it switched to someone else because I imagine that when you're there, you're probably just like up for the spirits. Like if you invite one in, what you're not going to invite all of them in. I, I, I wonder if it's that sort of a scenario. I do think that also when she talks again and uses the hand i do think she is once again talking to her mom however i do think that when 
she starts to be able to talk to her mom without needing the hand. And it's just those pure hallucinations. I don't, I think that that's just all of the spirits influencing what mm-hmm. she can see. I also have this idea that the longer that you're dead, the more you lose your humanity. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of those spirits that we see that are like, have obviously been dead for a long time, have really given into their injuries. And like, that's all you can see. I think that they are much more aggressive and much more like vengeful than mm-hmm. people who have maybe died recently. Cause I think with that little girl in the hospital, it seemed like that was a more recent death. And I feel like she was still like herself. She yeah, still looked fair. like a little girl. And I think even with Mia at the end, Mia looks like Mia. And mm. I imagine as years go on, Mia's not going to be Mia anymore. And so I also do have to wonder if that was really her mom, it has been two years since she died, how much of her is really still there Mm -hmm. and how much of that humanity that Mia thinks she's talking to, like how much of that is really still there. Um, And so if that was the case and it is her mom and she just is, you know, not really thinking in the way that her mom would think maybe her whole end goal was just to have Mia with her or like, have these nefarious things happening. I don't necessarily think that that's true, but I will say I do think it was her mom sometimes. Okay. But other times it was manipulation. Okay. I that's feel kind that. of where I move back and forth because I think especially on those earlier conversations with her mom, they were pretty simple. They were pretty much just like, I love you. I miss you. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. She didn't. And then it's not until later that then it starts to be like, he's lying. I didn't do this, you know, and then all of a sudden it starts to become these like really like manipulative comments where earlier on it's literally just like, I missed you. Like, I wish I was still here. I'm sorry I left you, which I imagine her mom would say and not be very clear about what actually happened and just be like, I'm really sorry that I left. Like, I wish I was still here, blah, 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 blah. I think that's why I feel that way is because those earlier conversations are pretty basic level, just like, oh my God, I love you. It's so good to see you conversations. And then later it's like, your dad ain't shit blah 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 and all of a sudden you're like whoa (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting i again that's one of those things that i do think i need multiple watches to fully land my idea on like whether or not it was the mom but i i agree with you in a lot of places it's it seemed like a sincere conversation with her on the other side Mm -hmm. um i will say though after the sequence where she does talk to her um, on her own, and they like, you know, spoon and go to sleep that night. I'm like, that's a wrap on Mia. She didn't close <laughs> no doors. She didn't blow out no candles. She just said, spirits, we going to bed, y'all. And we going to yeah. wake up tomorrow and figure this out. I was like, it, it, it's done for our girl. Um, but I mean, we get trickles of more information. Um, we finally get a full conversation with Max, the dad, who mm-hmm. even reveals like, hey, there was a note left and like some of your mom's feelings towards the end. This all unfortunately leads into Mia unintentionally stabbing her dad in the neck. Yeah, oh, which sucks. It it's one of those things where it's like even in that sequence, like I feel like you knew what was going to happen there, especially when mm-hmm. she saw like the fake version of her dad and like was reaching for the scissors. It was all kind of telegraphed, but I still think it still hit the mm-hmm. way that it was supposed to because of the overall stakes of the situation where it's like Mia thinks she has fully lost everything by that point. Yeah. But honestly, 
her dad really is trying to be there for her. And although it's a hard situation for him as well, it's one of those things where it's like, here's one last little beacon of hope in your dad is trying to be like, hey, I know I haven't handled this situation perfectly, but moving forward, I really want to try and be a little bit more transparent, have this conversation with you. Like, I shouldn't have kept this information from you. And, like, he's trying. He is trying. And then one scene later, he's got a pair of scissors in his neck where it's just like, damn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mia's lifelines are just dropping one by one so quickly. It's it's too bad. It's one of those things, yeah, it sucks because you can tell the dad really does love her, but he is harboring this huge secret that is really causing him and Mia to not see eye to eye on a lot of things. So yeah, he finally tells her the truth. Gets killed. He's like, oh, <laughs> probably should have kept the secret. <laughs> probably probably should have said none. Well, actually, he doesn't die. We think he does, but he actually ends up surviving, which from, did from, make me... From our understanding, right? Because like... Yes. That sequence he's, is a little... He survives. I, I'm pretty... Because A, Jade finds him and he's still, he's alive. still alive. I would true. love to assume that she called the ambulance for him. Um, But also, I do think that what we see there at the end, I do think that that is actually happening. Okay. And I just think that Mia is not obviously involved in it. I do gotcha. think that she is just kind of like seeing things as she's passing fully into the spirit world that's at least how i interpreted it is that that's kind of like the last bits of real life that she sees um so but i regardless he definitely was still alive when we first when we last saw him and because jade found him um and we don't get any wrap-up on that i'm gonna assume that he survives because i'm like what we're just gonna see him alive and he's gonna die so Fair. That's fair. my assumption. I would love that for him. I hope he <laughs> I hope he finds a new family. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so we come up on this ending because mm-hmm. yeah, at this point Mia is gone. Like she she saw a vision of Riley being tormented. Um which could be true. Could be, could be true. I feel like uh, may I, I I feel like it might have actually been happening. Um, I mean, because... only because it was the other girl spirit that introduced that idea, yeah. not one of the quote unquote nefarious spirits where she right. was just like, hey, yeah, your friend is not in a good spot right now. If you really want to see, I can show you what it looks like. Um, yeah. And I imagine because they did, that is true. They never closed the door for Riley. So what is to say that he is kind of like being tormented right now. Like we don't know. Like I said, we don't know what's going on inside, but we did from the Cole reappearance um, in that sequence, we did learn a small tidbit of information. Mm -hmm. That is the spirits do weaken the longer that they are in you. If they don't manage to actually kill you. So there is like a little bit of a loophole there where it's like, if Riley manages to not die, the spirits can, they're, their hold on him can eventually weaken. Right. And I think that's what's happening is I think the spirits were trying to kill him, which we see happen later. There's a moment where he bashes his head into the wall again and he gets brutal (laughs) and he gets stopped. And I think from that moment on, they kind of have him stuck in his bed and there's nothing that can be done. Like there's nothing the spirits can do. So, and we do actually get confirmation that that is what is happening because Jade, 
talks to Mia and says, oh, Riley like woke up today and it was like he was Riley again. Mm -hmm. And so it does seem like as time is passing and there's nothing they're able to do, Riley is kind of gaining control of himself again. Mm -hmm. And so that is what we know. Mia, on the other hand, said, "Uh uh-uh. I gotta kill him because yeah. mama, his, said, mama said mama said gotta kill Riley to save his soul so that is what I'm going to do and so that is Mia's plan she's gonna go and kill Riley because she has been convinced that that is the only way to ensure that he is no longer tormented which we know is exactly what they want is for Riley to die because mm-hmm. if Riley dies they have him they have mm-hmm. his soul forever while he is still alive he could gain regain control of himself and so they're trying to get Mia to kill him and she makes it kind of far (laughs) um and it's it sucks because Mia does get redemption in this moment but that is not what they're going to remember Mia as like Jade is going to remember that Mia tried to push her brother into oncoming traffic Mm -hmm. like she's not gonna know that there was this whole in, inner turmoil and Mia ended up sacrificing herself because her mom, quote unquote, basically says she slips up and says something to the regards of like, oh, we'll have him forever. If you like do this for him and we'll have him forever, he'll be with us forever. And then it's like that moment Mia realizes, oh, fuck, like you're it's you're tricking me like you can't have him forever. I don't want you to. And so then Mia jumps into traffic and seemingly survives. But then we realize that she did not survive. She did die after being hit by a car. Yes, Mm -hmm. uh, that is what I would have expected. Um, And then the movie ends exactly how I would have wanted it to end. She is in this black void and she sees a light and she walks towards it. And then she is the spirit that has been summoned and the person holding the hand says, I am, or come inside. What is it? I let you in. I let you in. Come inside. Yeah, it's a great full circle moment. It's one of those ones where like, I could see some people chalking it off as like, okay, kind of cheesy. But like, for me, I think that I agree with you. It was the perfect yeah. way to end the film. It incorporates everything that we've learned and like really puts a puts a nice little button on a film that still leaves you with a lot of questions, mm-hmm. which I think is very uh, impressive to do. Where it's like I felt like the ending was satisfying for me. Like I felt like I got everything that I needed to get, but there were still like little questions that remained post the story. Which I like. I, I like the movies that give you things to think about. Um, still have you ha- still have story beats that aren't fully covered because, like, we never get you know full confirmation on like what exactly caused the mom to do what she did. There are discrepancies between what we know in the real world and the spirit realm. With that, all all these little questions are still there. But the ending is very satisfying. And so, like, yeah. you don't really care at the end of the day because, like, you know, the handshake happens, the credits roll, and you're like, damn, that was like, good. Yeah, that was good. Like, even and in theater afterwards, I looked at you, I was like, yeah, hey, yo, like, that was okay. good. I, I clapped a little bit. I'm not a clapper, <laughs> but I said, 
I'll give him that. And I and it's nice because I feel like now we do by the end of it, we do get to see both perspectives. Mm-hmm. We see what it's like being on the side of the living using the hand and what it is like being a spirit and using the hand. And if that is the spirit world, I don't think it's wild that these spirits go fucking nuts and like get vengeful and want to play with people and mess with people because that is seemingly all the the only interactions that they can have. That's our only lifeline to the real world is people playing this game. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like seeing it from that perspective and seeing what it's actually like on the other side, it's sad. It's like, it's really sad. And you can see why they would not be too stoked about teenagers at a party pulling them in and kind of fucking around with them for 90 seconds and then sending them back to the spirit world. Like that sucks, especially because a lot of these people seem like they died very brutal deaths Mm -hmm. and it's yeah, it's shitty. You get pulled into some kid's body with phones in your face and they play around with you for a little bit. And then they say, I bye. Bye. I'm going to go. I'm going to go hang out at my house. (laughs) I hope you have a good time in the spirit world. And so I feel like when you see it from their perspective, it's like, of course they're pissed. Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense. And I, me personally, I'm curious about your feelings on this. I could see ways for this movie to have some sort of like a sequel or prequel to like explain more things. I personally hope that they don't. I think Mm -hmm. this movie stands uh, very well as a a one-off, but I'm curious, would you like to see more from this universe or not? Mm, I wouldn't personally. I could, I agree with you. I think by having the hand be the thing and by having the hand still there and like still exist, you kind of open up the door that you could just use the hand in future stories. I really hope they don't because mm-hmm. I do think that, yeah, the hand is cool, but I think what I liked about the hand is the stories of the people around it. I liked Mia and Jade and Riley's like conflicts. I liked Mm -hmm. what was going on with them. And the hand was just a tool that caused a huge rift in all of that. And obviously, yeah, caused some huge issues, but I don't know that I want the hand used in just stories with anybody because for me, I don't know when I think back on this, I'm like them using the hand was, kind of like the least amount of time within this film. And then a lot of it was spent with their other issues and their inner demons, their inner personal conflicts. Mm -hmm. And that is what I really loved about it. So I hope they just stick to the one. I mean, I'll see it. I'm going to watch it if they do another one for sure. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there's just something about the way everything came together in this one that was what worked and not necessarily just like, okay, we'll use the now we'll use the hand and and we're in Spain. Like, I don't know. I just (laughs) I don't want to I don't necessarily think we need that. Fair enough. Um, but all right, that's everything I had to talk about, unless you had some last thoughts you want to get out there. No, I I think that was it. My last little note that I did want to say is I also thought this movie was really funny. That was mm-hmm. all I had wanted to say. There's a lot of jokes peppered throughout that, honestly, I thought were really good. I thought they were really funny. So, yeah, it's a heavy movie, but they did a good job of balancing the humor, which thank God for that, because I would Needed have- some. <laughs> yeah. 
I needed a little, I needed a little hee hee, a little, a little chuckle, a little air blown <laughs> in the nose. <laughs> uh, but all right, what are we going to rate this out of? I mean, hands, of course. We do it out of hands. Um, could do like bulldog kisses. Oh um, my God. <laughs> don't do this <laughs> don't do this <laughs> i was looking for something a little bit of like a sidestep away um, um you do feet sucked so bulldog <laughs> kisses is a no i didn't like the bulldog immediately scene. <laughs> i didn't like the bulldog scene, but i like okay. i liked when his foot was in her mouth i thought that, that was funny that shit was funny to me but i didn't like the bulldog scene <laughs> Part of me wants to do headbangs, but I think that's kind of me. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I mean, we could do that like handshakes. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's, it's simple. Handshakes. Yeah. I feel like we also probably won't have handshakes again. Yeah. Um, okay. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Mm, how about you go first? I'm yeah. still, I'm still tinkering with my no, that's, score. That's fine. Um, I honestly, I, I think it's kind of easy for me. Um, I'm really gonna give this one a five out of five handshakes. Ooh. I will say there's probably a little bit of bias, a little bit of hype just from the experience of like, it's been a little bit since we've seen it, but it still feels kind of fresh. Um, and I just really enjoyed the experience of watching this film. But I just think it's really a really well done uh, scary movie. And again, I said at the start, but I do think that this is probably one of my favorites from this year so far. Um, I think that the story is something familiar, but is told in a different way with some great performances some fantastic choreography both in the characters and in the direction um i think the filippo brothers did a phenomenal job with this being their first feature film um especially as just youtubers or content creators um it's very exciting to see more of those people break into the industry space especially during this time that is very um malleable for the industry um i just like i love the success story of it and I think that the movie itself holds up to all of the hype. And um, I really enjoyed it. I cannot wait to see more from them on the feature front. I hope that they do expand and do some more stuff. I've heard some wind that they might be working on like a Street Fighter movie, which as a nerd mm-hmm. is exciting for me. But overall, I think Talk to Me is a great film for experienced horror watchers. But I also actually think for the less experienced scary movie viewer um this film is a great just like popcorn scary movie to watch that is good quality so Mm -hmm. five out of five handshakes for me you know what i'm gonna give it five out of five as well i was gonna give it a 4.9 but i'm like i'm really gonna let that bulldog like (laughs) ruin the score no i don't think it's that bad um it's not so egregious that it ruins the whole movie for me and Mm -hmm. so i'm like Give it a five out of five. Because like I said, I do not think this could have been executed any better than it was. Mm -hmm. And I just think I, the way that I felt after watching the movie, the way that I felt even in the movie, the excitement that I had when I realized how it was going to end, like everything about it just felt so right to me and felt exactly how it should have been. And I think there's something to be said about that, about a, a story being so solid all the way throughout that you when you leave you're just like damn i really want to talk about that like i really we really wanted to talk about it but we knew we were going to probably talk about it on on podcast so we didn't want to talk too much Mm -hmm. but i was like every single person i saw after that 
I was like, you got to see Talk to Me. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and it is. It is really, really great. And I am really excited to rewatch it. And I don't often feel that way about seeing new movies. Like, I'm not like, oh, I can't wait until I can watch this again. But this one for me is one of those. I think it's another movie, kind of like you said, like Bodies, 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 that feels like a more recent entry that I just feel like really nails that. This is one of the first times that I feel like, yeah, these are teenagers. I mm-hmm. I see it, I get it, and it helps the story, and it helps me understand. And it's funny. The visuals are, are so good. There are some amazing sequences. The effects and the makeup are perfect and the acting is kick-ass like especially for this being like the first feature film debut for some of these actors like blow me sideways I I just (laughs) thought it was so good I just thought they were so great and they got everything that across that needed to be put across and even though I don't have the answers to everything in this film it left just enough interpretation where I don't mind I don't think anything's supposed to be so solid that you're like, yes, this is the answer. And I love that. And it doesn't ruin the story either way to think one or the other, which you're like, if it is the mom, it doesn't change things for me. If it isn't the mom, it doesn't change things for me. It's still fucking good. So yeah, five out of five uh, handshakes for sure. But that's it for Taxime. Um, have you guys seen this yet? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You're at the end of the episode. Uh, so if you have, please let us know your thoughts. And if you haven't and you still listened, honestly, there's a lot of sequences that we didn't even get a chance to touch on. So like, go watch the movie. It'll still surprise you. Um, we would love for you guys to discuss it with us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer, you can always email us. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. Or if you'd like to come into our discord to talk a little bit more in depth with us, but also some other homies, you can slide into that by using the link in our social media bios. And if you're listening to this on Monday, that means that we are back on twitch tonight twitch is where we hang out and play spooky games with the homies have some drinks have some laughs we'll probably get a little bit more into our midsummer adventures if you guys would like to come through and hear about those we would love to see you the link for that is also in our social media bios and last but never least if you are so inclined we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or a review you can do both on apple podcast more we get the better it recommends our show to more listeners and we just like to hear what you guys are thinking of the show so if you have an apple account and haven't done that we'd love for you to or over on spotify you can leave us a rating by simply clicking the stars underneath our name but that is it for us today homies thank you so much for hanging out do not touch any spooky hands and we hope you guys have a great rest of your week catch you next time homies bye